0: Today's guest is Barnum Financial Group's Chief Technology Officer, Stefano Martini. Stefano helps develop and deliver a unique and impactful technology-based experience for Barnum's clients, their advisors, employees, and business partners. He's here to discuss how financial professionals can evolve to become digital. We're talking about the present and the future of our industry. I hope you enjoy. I'm Paul Blanco, and this is Small Steps, Big Wins. Well, today I'm really excited. Stefano, welcome to the show. I'm really glad to have you here. And uh, I think, if I think correctly, we've known each other for seven years. You know, I, uh, I made a huge move in my career seven years ago when MetLife sold us to Mass Mutual. And I made the, the trek over to Mass and uh, it was a really great move for me and for Barnum one of the things I really cherish about my career is the people I've met along the way. And, uh, you know, at the time that I met you, you were this, the chief information officer at Mass Mutual. you were heading up, uh, for MMFA. And, you know, one of the things that was really important to me when I got here was this whole digital footprint of where the industry is going. And we had been on this journey here at Barnum to, uh, to, I believe, change the industry in terms of digital. I met you and I'm like, wow, I just met someone that really gets it. And I was super excited. And long story short, you know, coincidentally, you know, four or five years later, you know, I know that you decided to make a change in your career and and Barnum was fortunate enough to have you here. But what I really want to dig in on is you spent 23 or 22 plus years of your career in you know, corporate America, I'll call it. And now you're in this entrepreneurial business slash firm. And how's it feel to, uh, you know, that change? I'm sure that was a huge change for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was. And it, well, first, Paul, thanks for, for hosting. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you uh, in the moment and at Barnum. Uh, Thank you. It's, it's a real, real honor to, to be on this journey with you. So just reflecting on that change. Yeah, after a couple decades in mass, you know, you rise through the ranks and you do your best to, ha- to make an impact. I consider myself an impact junkie. Yep. I don't like just clocking in. I like making an impact on people's lives, on the work that we do, on our partners. But you're somewhat limited. In any large corporation, you have a role, right? And the role is defined on a box and that box fits in a bigger system. And I was really excited about, after two decades in a professional setting, of testing out my ability to work outside that box and not have such a defined role and see how how big of an impact I could have uh, if just cut loose. Okay. And um, I've really enjoyed in this environment at Barnum uh, where you've created a platform for all of us, but I'll speak personally, where it's, hey, just go at it. You figure out what the it is, how to get there. Uh, and it's been a real pleasure. So in my personal experience, it was the absolute best move possible.
0: Well, I feel the same way. And uh, I'm really uh, excited about our journey that we've had so far and where we're going, but, you know, you truly have been cut loose and, you know, I'll think about, let's go to digital. You know, one of the things I saw in the industry very early on in my career was there's really a couple of ways to grow your business, right? For an advisor. And what we tried to do is continually make it simpler And one of the things we were on this journey of here that you helped take to this whole other level is what we're calling, you know, B2. And what B2 really is for all the listeners here as you're, you know, driving around, and I'm sure Stefano will give it a a better uh, definition than I will, but what B2 is, is to help advisors to know when the right time to call a client is, to help us with being a fiduciary, and continue to grow your practice with less clicks and more opportunities on a day-to-day basis. But you now, you have this vision of where it is today, where we're going in technology. And talk about you know some of the things that come to your mind when you think about technology and uh, in particular B2 and where we're going.
1: Yeah, that, that's a big one to unpack. So yeah. I, I think first really important, When we talk about digital in this space, you know, where where are the boundaries of that discussion? And in my belief, in my core belief system, our industry will always require human beings. The complications of a financial plan, of helping uh, a couple or, or an individual define that plan, understand what it means to the people that they love, is not something you can easily digitize. Yep. I agree 100%. So, yeah, so that that's uh, you know I I I've experienced advisors to get a little skittish when we talk about digital. It's like, "Wait, you're taking a bit and it's like absolutely not. The core part of your job of helping simplify and convince action, convince people to take action is always going to be at the heart of the human being. That's part. It's why I th- I think we do a great job Paul, you do a fantastic job of attracting, recruiting, retaining People who have incredible EQ, who are great at simplifying complex issues, who are great at building trust. And unfortunately, in our industry, as soon as we get them in the door, we drown them in process and paperwork and bureaucracy. And that's why, you know, Paul, you, you know better than anybody that our industry has, I think, uh, 11, somewhere between 11 and 14% of advisors that start make it to their fifth year. At Barnum, we're proud to say we're at 44%. And so when we think about our digital evolution for an advisor, it's largely focused on that. It's largely focused on how, how much assistance can we give? Can we prompt the advisor to take action with, to help simplify their day, to help make sure that the impact they have on their client is maximized. And so that's, that was the B2 concept. The B2 concept was to build a platform for advisors, not a CRM, but a platform for advisors that would be driven in analytics, slash artificial intelligence over time and easy to use um, technology and uh, experience that would enable the advisor to identify things in their enforced book in existing clients that need action that otherwise would likely fall through the cracks on a busy day, both in the client's lives and in the advisor's lives, to take action so that client has a has a better chance of achieving their goals. So. What B2 is at its heart is, uh, is uh, we collect data, that is our oxygen, we collect data from CRMs, we collect data from uh, insurance carriers, we collect data from data aggregators, we collect data from platforms like InvestNet and WellScape and outside sources, um, home values, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We put it through uh, what are very carefully tested, very carefully curated algorithms that because of the relationship we have with our advisors here at Barnum, we can test, we can actually watch if they work. And those algorithms make suggestions to the advisor on what they should be doing with their clients based on milestone birthdays, based on milestone events, based on product performance, all of that simplified in one tool. And we're very proud that we have nearly 500 subscribers on the tool now across 10 agencies, 11 agencies soon. So we feel like our end, our sample size is concrete, it's legitimate. And we're very proud to say that we're actually impacting advisors. We're actually impacting their clients. And that's what excites us. That's what wakes us up every day.
0: Yeah. So when you, when you think about that, and so you're probably over a thousand users when you include the, uh, the regular firm, the firm Barnum in there, when you.
1: The the 500 including that
0: population. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So when you look at that, what do you see as the future of that? And, what are some of the comments you're getting from FAs using it?
1: So uh, in terms of future, we, we're, we're, we're pretty ambitious with our goals. Our, our ultimate objective is to create the best financial planning, best uh, financial advisory tool out there, period, bar none. Um, and ultimately, maybe even client-facing, where clients that have lost their advisors, we know 30% of life insurance sales are left orphaned. You know, that's, that's an industry term, right? Yeah. A, a client that doesn't have an assigned advisor to them where this could be a tool where they get on and actually match with an advisor. In addition to all the tools that we're planning on deploying to help advisors maximize the existing opportunities in their books.
0: So Stefano, when I've, when I've seen you just demonstrate, present, you give some great stats on why this is so important, right? You've used things of how many people don't have an advisor, how many people don't have this, or the need for insurance products in our industry. Give me some of those stats that you uh, you talk about.
1: Sure. Um, well, I think the first stat is, and, and any insurance executive you know is out there using this on the regular, is that we are at a post-World War II low. So since 1945, the percentage of Americans that own life insurance is at an all-time low, which is a terrifying statistic for people like you and me, Paul, that, that love our industry, love what we do, get anecdotes all the time, testimonials from yeah. people all the time. Thanking us, thanking our advisors for stepping in, helping them create a plan, execute on that plan, and protect their families or the ones they loved, or both. Hopefully, so that's like the first quote that I'll that I'll offer is, uh, you know, what what what's happening in our society, what's happening with with uh, the services that we're trying to offer that has that that terrifying statistic, and we we dug into that problem, and what we found it's really a data problem. That advisors candidly have an easier job at client acquisition where it's a first-time relationship. It's the first time you met somebody, you can ask the awkward questions, you can note them down. Versus the servicing side that requires, there's an expectation, you already know me. When in reality, three or four years have passed, you haven't checked in with that client. And it it creates an awkwardness that advisors shy away from when, number one, they, they they haven't kept up with the client's lives. And secondly, their book has changed, right? The the interest rate assumptions in that product or the cash value in that whole life for VUL has changed. So getting the data behind the scenes to aggregate in a way that can be a crisp, cohesive conversation with a client that you should already know is so challenging that advisors have to really categorize their clients and, and focus on a subset of them. Yeah. So I think
0: and I think that what's interesting is you bring up some really good points. Uh, if they're not scaling fast enough, right? And if they're not really building a service model behind this, they won't be able to be successful. So you're actually pushing that data to them.
1: Exactly. And, and what we're doing is historically, we found advisors can only keep up hiring more people. What was the number 100? How many people? Oh, just in general. Teams, oh, okay. it, we, we find most successful advisors have a large staff. Yeah. And that staff is assigned to doing all sorts of things, including shuffling papers and calling carriers and trying yeah. to collect data, put it in a clean way. And, and not that the staff doesn't have a very important job, continues to have a, a very important job positioning that advisor to have the best possible meeting with that client. But a lot of the data gathering, the consolidation, that's where technology can step in. The second part of it is, no matter how good an advisor is, and I'll point to a couple of examples that we've encountered, uh, they're somewhat limited to their experience. You put 100 advisors together and you see some real magic happen in terms of how they approach clients, the ideas they have in terms of minding the book. So B2 is a place of collaboration on, on top of it all where advisors are constantly telling us, have you thought about this insight? Could you gather this data that might help if you spin it this way? Give us a suggestion that we, it would take us months to calculate.
0: So let me spend a minute on that. So they're actually coming to you and saying this would be a really good reason to reach out to this client. It's a great, great opportunity for the client to do something different. And obviously the advisor benefits from that sometimes, and you're getting those from multiple people and then you and your team is taking them and making those into, I know you use this word tiles into a tile that basically makes that insight come to life.
1: Exactly. So we, uh, we, our tagline is built for advisors by advisors. And that we use that to really as a shorthand to say that nothing on our platform was architected by a bunch of software engineers and just rolled out. These are ideas that came from advisors, tested by multiple advisors, given the thumbs up, hey, go build it. We add in a little science to be able to do it in a scalable way. Sometimes we add in some data uh, that the advisor or the community of advisors hadn't thought of, and then we present it back. And then we see if it works. If it actually works, making an impact on clients' lives, then it sticks. Yep. If it doesn't, we tweak. If it ultimately doesn't even after that, take it off the shelf. Yeah.
0: Well, what's amazing is when you think about, you know, I've been in this business now 30 just create just hit 32 years. And when I think of all the products that I've watched I've sold or I've watched advisors sell, there's so many changes to them and so many nuances. And what you're doing is you're taking that all into one place, dummying it down, and then giving that advisor that data there, which is incredible. So as you think about that, I use the analogy of, I know you use the analogy of Waze all the time. So tell me what you mean by that and how does Waze, which is helping people with traffic and getting somewhere, change how we think about data here at
1: uh, yeah, I, I. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's an analogy I use often. I'm, I haven't asked Google for permission to use it, but I, hopefully <laughs> they won't be upset because it's a compliment to uh, to their purchase. Go, Google bought Waze. so Ways is is one of a number of technologies I could point to that I think revolutionized an industry, and they're not the only one. There's Google Maps and Apple Maps, and but yep. I, I just shorthand. I'll use Ways. What I think Ways did magically well was they collected the data off satellites. They present that data in a very friendly way, you know, a nice little app. You, you imagine, I know, Paul, you and I used to drive where you had to pull over, hopefully pull over, not while you were driving, yep. open up those big McNally maps. I had a
0: flashlight <laughs> when I used to go see clients to see the mailboxes. Right. I mean, and it's crazy, right? Yeah. Where I grew up in Brooklyn was way easier, but then I got up here. It's really tough finding in Connecticut, well, I, finding I, houses.
1: I like to say my wife, 24 years yesterday, um, one of the reasons she she started even having any interest in me was we were living in Boston. I was living in Boston early on in our relationship, and I knew the shortcuts. I knew how to get around Boston. Nowadays, that knowledge is useless, right? Yes. It's all in the app. But you know the, that God. that's an example of like a process that um, was cumbersome, was difficult, and I think ways and many before it and many after Garmin and others. They took the maps, they digitized them. They took data off of satellites to show you um, to show you where traffic might be, where road hazards might be. And then they took it one step further. They crowdsourced it, meaning they started asking their users to give data back to it. That was really, I think, what, what set them apart was this idea that, you know what, no matter how much data we collect from corporations or satellites, the best data is going to be on the front lines, on back, the road.
0: Back to what you said earlier,
1: created ex-
0: by advisors. Exactly. By advisors.
1: And so here you have ways an application that now has real time data collected from multiple sources spit back out, so it can adjust. If you have an accident five miles down the road, it'll it'll readjust you immediately. Yeah. It doesn't need to ping the satellite; it'll just do it. So it's pretty magical. And the same I think is true here. We can waysify financial services. We have the beauty of the data sitting in carriers, sitting in CRM, sitting in Investnet. We have the smarts between the advisory community and our technologists to be able to build the right algorithms. And then we put it in the hands of the drivers, the financial advisors here, to see if it works. And they give us feedback real time that allows us to tweak. And that virtuous cycle, that virtuous loop is I think what makes b 2 pretty special.
0: Well, and, and I think it even goes further than just the data for that, right? You, you guys have been tracking so many things, you know, you're getting better on when to call, why to call, time of day. And I have this massive vision where I see where you're going. And I think that at some point you'll be able to, to, score the opportunities for advisors to say, Hey, you know, every day at two o'clock, you're going to get these three people that are the most important people in your book at two o'clock today, and you need to reach out to them. And it's all based on this ways of the industry to uh, use data properly.
1: You got it. We we, we have, uh, outside of B2, we have a, a different program. We, we've generated a couple of really large li- relationships that allow us to pump a lot of lead volume through 250 advisors and track that, a level of minutiae and detail that nobody else does. We know when phone calls are made, we know when emails are sent, we know what happens as a result of those phone calls. We know what happens as a result of those emails. We know what happens as a result of those appointments. We know time of day, the gender, the age, the employer. So as a result, we have an incredibly powerful model that can be applied outside of that leads program and be fed into B2 to, be, to help advisors that maybe have lost touch with a client seven years ago. Could be a woman working for IBM in New York. and our model would say, hey, the best time and the best approach to reaching her might be a phone call on Tuesday afternoon after the kids get home from school. And again, Friday, you know, I'm just making it up, but that's what yeah. the model might inform you. First, a single 27 year old who works at Google on the West Coast might have a totally different model in terms of the best likely chance of connecting with them. And we have the data that can give that, our subscribers, our audience, a significantly better uh, chance of having that impact because we've got all, all this data that we've collected and, and yeah. we're siphoning through.
0: Which is amazing. And when I think about today's show and I was thinking about, you know, us sitting down and having this conversation, I was really juiced up about it too. And a couple of things came to my mind. I think that the industry has changed dramatically in terms of wholesaling. And I'll just use annuities as an example. You know, there's maybe 20, 30, 40 annuity companies out there that are really wholesaling to FAs in the industry today. And the riders and the products are really complex. And I continue to hear from the subscribers on B2 that, yes, I'll take meetings with them sometimes, but I don't need to because the insights is really, not only is it helping me when to reach out to the clients at the right times, but it's also telling me, which products, and they change so frequently, which product do I do I need to consider? And maybe it dummies it down to two or three of them, but they don't have to meet with seven different wholesalers to get that answer. Am I correct in mm-hmm.
1: how I'm looking at that? Yeah, you nailed it. It's, it's, it's one thing to be able to highlight there's a need. It's another thing to be able to provide recommendations on how to fulfill that need. Sometimes the work is harder in the second part of that chapter, especially in an industry as complicated with as many options as ours. And as as quickly, as you said, moving so quickly. So we built, uh, our first version was we built a quarter in there, which allows an advisor, if we're recommending, hey, shop the term policy or shop that variable annuity to check the entire marketplace to see which product is the best fit for their client. We're now building that into an algorithm to be able to do that for, you know, with given parameters and assumptions that the advisor can tweak is that it, the tool not only will say, it looks like that 20-year term that's 13 years in with only seven years left of insurance, given that client has survived two mortality table improvements, meaning the cost of insurance has gone down. Sure, You can take what's seven years left in that term insurance and get them back up to a 10-year with maybe no increase at all in premium, assuming underwriting hasn't changed. Yeah. But that that entire logic can be one action to the advisor saying, yeah, replace this term, here's three products that would be less expensive with the same rating, you know, with the, with assumptions. Yeah. And we saved the, they save the advisor a couple of hours there, like no joke on just that one. So now they can take that time back and do a hundred of them or take that time back and spend more time with their clients, understanding the dynamics of the family and what they need. So that that's the kind of thing that we're doing on, on certainly across the product shelf.
0: Well, that's amazing. And let's let's talk a little bit about the industry. So, you know, I I look at an industry that is definitely has evolved quickly, but also slowly. Meaning lots of companies have different legacy systems that have challenged them in terms of growing and it's very hard to rip it all out and just replace it, right? Near possible, yeah. Right? Day one. <laughs> and when you think about that. I think B2 has figured out how to work around that and to help advisors organize their data, organize their book and and I'm, um, you know, I, I never really thought about this until we're sitting here but the value that it creates for the advisor of having their book in one place super organized if they're looking to sell it more succession planning. I'm sure that generates a lot more revenue for them. But stay on the industry part for a minute. Yeah, like, where is the industry going? What is like what do you what do you see?
1: What yeah. are you seeing out there? So, I'll I'll just share a little bit of the insight that we share with people that are interested in our platform. Then I'll talk about the industry more broadly. But. When we talk about the B2 tool, one of the things that we looked at, we talked about it. Like, what is the root cause? The root cause is largely a data issue. But the second part of that question was, is the, is the issue getting better or worse? Because honestly, if it's going to get better on its own, why step in, invest? Yeah. Why, why disrupt if it's just going to go away on its own? What we found is actually it's not. It's actually getting worse across three dimensions, and one of them you touched on. The three dimensions that we touched on first is regulators. State and federal regulators are spending a lot of time. Acting on behalf of the client, the fiduciary rule, the best interest, like they are—they are putting more pressure on advisors and the supervisors of advisors to ensure that they're doing the right thing. That—that that creates more expectation of the advisor in terms of understanding their book and business. Secondly, advisors that are successful are making the problem worse. <laughs> they're adding more clients to their book, which creates you know, they need to hire more staff or they need to neglect well, more
0: clients. And, and as what you said earlier, when you think of the retention issue and you think of some of the digital changes, you know, after COVID, more, less and less advisors in the
1: industry. So more and more need. Absolutely. So the problem just gets bigger huge. and bigger. I mean, we're talking millions and millions. Yeah. And the third dimension, which is the one you just touched on, is I think there's a huge expectation gap in our industry. Every insurance carrier, every digital entrant out there is advertising like crazy. Mass Mutual, NHL playoffs. I I can't recite where Northwestern, New York Life, I'm sure. The golf tournaments or the tennis tournaments are usually sporting events, but other things. And Policy Genius and every digital lemonade, every digital, they're out there sending one message to the clients. We're easy to do business with. Underneath the beautiful imagery of the advertisement is an expectation being set that honesty is near impossible for our advisors to fulfill because our those, those exact companies are not easy to work with because they're sitting on systems that are 20, 30, 40, 50, sometimes 60 years old. They're trying their hardest to keep up, but that gap that's created requires, I think, some digital entrants like B2 to step into that void and really help bridge that gap. I, I do think my opinion on the industry is I think the large carriers, are going to have to really resolve: Are they manufacturers? Are they distributors? It's hard to do both. It's, yeah. hard, it's hard to do either. It's really hard to do both, and try to get better one or the other. So I think you've seen that a lot of a lot of companies have abandoned distribution, um, which I think is is really a bad move in my opinion, given what we started the, the session yeah, with. Face like, to face is the, it, key. It, the, the human beings are going to be part of that. Yeah. So I think there's a way to be to be fo- as, especially insurance carriers, to be focused on manufacturing but still maintain curate and take care of your distribution, uh, not necessarily be distribution, but maybe build the relationships around distribution the way that they have it. So I think there's gonna be a lot of movement yep. in that space. Something just hit me as
0: you were saying that. So you talk about all these new entries in, right? And they're building this front end to make it easier and bringing the client on. But what really matters is when, how you use the product when you retire, how you use the product if you pass away, how to use the product if you get disabled. and If they're really great on the front end, but they don't have the insights on the back end, we really leave clients in a tough situation in the future. So congratulations on the journey you're going on with because that that ties everything together. And now you have the front end and you have the back end experience all, you know, coming together.
1: Yeah. Where I'm optimistic is especially. The fulfillment of the insurance contract specifically is the, the, the advisor can do a nice job masking it, but at the end of the day, falls in large part on the carrier. And, and it is nice to see the carriers having recognized that. I know we at Mass Mutual when I was there, we did a lot of work on these things we call the moments of truth. And I don't remember if it was seven or eleven moments of truth with a client. And some of them that we define might be like, oh yeah, billing. Billing is a moment of truth. Is it simple? Is it easy to pay your bill? Of course, the claim is the ultimate. Ultimate moment of truth. And I think a lot of the digital work up done by those carriers, at least initially, was not reflected on all those moments. So you might get them in only to disappoint them later. Yeah. Now I, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm, I'm experiencing myself that a lot of the insurance companies have stepped into that entire flow, which is great to see. I think that does allow us some hope that the experience being advertised is one that ultimately can be fulfilled. Yeah, it's
0: awesome. So um, let's switch gears for a second. So you're truly an entrepreneur. You're building something here. You have a team of 10 plus people that are working with you on a day-to-day basis on insights and building and, and moving. What do you see 10, 15, 20 years? Like Where are you going? And then, and then part two to that is what's driving you each day?
1: So uh, maybe I'll go in reverse order. What, yeah. dri- what drives me, is, as I said, I'm an impact junkie. Um, if I feel like I'm making, and that impact can be on an individual, can be a peer-minded struggling with an issue. It could be um, an idea that a, a group needs and I happen to offer something up that's unique. It can be taking a team and working with them to try to implement a piece of technology that hasn't been implemented before. It can be talking to an advisor and helping them go through the change management of adopting the technology. Any one of those, any, yeah. anything like that is what keeps me going. That's the fuel behind my, yeah. my day. Um, so as long as I'm making an impact, I'm gonna show up every day. I think it. the point where I look around and what I'm trying to do is falling on deaf ears, You know, hopefully I see it, I don't wait till I, you know. That's when you gotta make an impact then. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> a different kind of impact, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's what fuels me every day. In terms of where we're going, I think there is more opportunity in our industry than most. And we see that just looking at the inflows of VC money coming into FinTech and InsureTech. It's measured in the tens of billions of dollars a year.
0: Do you think they're doing a lot of that to avoid spending money on distribution?
1: Uh, good, qu- I hadn't thought about it through that lens. I, I I, just, I'm more like economics, like money flows to returns. Yep, true. <laughs> you know. Plain and simple. So if money's flowing in here, it's because a lot of smart people see the opportunity for returns. Yeah. I hadn't thought about like, whether the carriers themselves are picking one over the other, but I definitely think there's evidence to suggest that whether it's B2 or other solutions we're being creative with, there's an enormous opportunity here in this industry in insurance in particular in financial planning in particular to build out technology that helps the advisor have a bigger impact on their clients and you know, I just look at it black and white, like yeah. otherwise money wouldn't be coming in. True. So what's your day to day look like? So my day to day is, I don't think there is a day to day. Every day is a little different. Um, I spend, I, I try to meet ideally, and this is probably I think where you and I hit it off seven year, or six years ago when yeah. you and I met is I, I really, the danger of being a technologist because it's so complicated and I commiserate a lot. Technology is really difficult and only getting more difficult. And that's yeah. why computer science majors you're going to make a lot of money if you're listening. Um, it's it's um, it's needing to get closer to how your technology is being used. So there's no better day than when I'm sitting, Paul, with our advisors or our subscribers and understanding how the concept that we sat in the lab with is actually being deployed and used and how we can adjust it, tweak it, complement it to make it even better. Because that's, again, if you're thinking about impact, it's not so much that you built a house, it's people enjoying it. Right? Is the kitchen stove on? Yeah. If it's not, something's wrong. So I spend as much time as possible in the kitchen to see how 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 the food's coming out. But the, you know, we we are so entrepreneurial and so innovative that the hardest thing is saying no or saying maybe later, because much of my day is spent meeting with other technologies, other ideas, other people on the team, trying to figure out what the next big thing is going to be. Well, it's
0: interesting that what you said is one of the compliments that I've been given through my career was that I never left the field, even though I'm far removed from the end user, meaning the client. I still understood the client and the advisor. And when you talk about the lab and the advisor and how you have this advisor mindset and with this technologist model that you're building That that is a punch that many people don't have in our industry, which is a huge differentiator for you. So I really like that. And you know, when we named this show Small Steps, Big Wins, I as you're going through this, I'm just reflecting and saying, wow, everything we do in technology is small steps.
1: We try, to, we try to bite them off at small
0: steps sometimes. to get <laughs> big wins. Yeah. And the impact that you can make in the speed to market is just amazing. So, you know, we're coming up on our time, but give me what your last I, I statement, had, your last I comment just had is. I one quick
1: thought. Yeah, please. And this is, you know, for your advisor audience. I was in a meeting two days ago and there was a little bit of cynicism around advisors being change-averse. Change, okay. You know, in yeah. other words, the problem with the technology deployments are largely because our advisors, our community, doesn't like change. And uh, that's a cop-out, honestly. It's a cop-out because every one of those advisors, you might find a couple of exceptions to what I'm gonna say, but I'm just gonna be black and white for the moment. Every one of those advisors has an iPhone. Yeah. Or an Surely, Android device. how to change. And every one of those devices has probably 50, 60, 70, maybe 100 apps on them. Those apps, you probably see every morning. You get reminded. Yep. 31 upgrades due today, right? You collect the update immediately. All those subtle changes, every one of those advisors, they can handle it. The problem is I think in large corporations, the technology we deploy represents such a massive change. Now you're asking an advisor to wholesale change your practice. Yep. That's a big, so I, I'm just connecting it back to the, yeah. the tagline that the shows name, which I think is beautiful. Like if we can build technology to really be small incremental change with huge impact on the outer edge, we're going to be significantly more successful yeah. with, with what we
0: deploy. Well, guys, um, I hope you uh, enjoyed the show today. Stefano, thank you. Small steps, big wins, guys. And today was uh, amazing. I really enjoyed our time and really enjoy the, uh, the partnership that we're building and continuing to grow together. So uh, thank you, everybody. And everybody have a great rest of the day. Thank you for listening to Small Steps, Big Wins please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Every bit helps. You can also follow us on Instagram at smallstepsbigwins. All opinions expressed by the program participants are solely their current opinions and do not reflect the opinions their respective parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the program participants are affiliated. Investments or strategies mentioned in this program may not be suitable for you, and you should make your own independent decision regarding them. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. You should strongly consider seeking advice from your own investment advisor. Securities and investment advisory services offered through qualified registered representatives of MML Investor Services, LLC. Member SIPC, 6 Corporate Drive, Shelton, Connecticut, 06484, telephone number 203-513-6000.